Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and can coexist peacefully. This was their finest. Let's just switch our pod's like theme to New World stuff. <laughs> I was actually saying that Stacey needs to get the game so she can stream New World. Oh, and dude. then like we could have like a whole group and like Stacey can be streaming it. Yeah, you can make some real money. Did you hear about the Twitch leak? No. Oh, dude. You know what Twitch is. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows what Twitch is here? Yeah, sure. Everything about Twitch got leaked. Wow. The entire source code for how Twitch works. Wow. How much uh, streamers get paid by Twitch. Wow. Like all kinds of documents about Twitch got leaked. And like a gigantic data dump. Wow. And so it is super wild. But streamers get paid a lot of money. I was about to ask, what's the cool top line? Like $100,000 a month. Mm. Pretty good. That is pretty good. Tasic, you could make that. I mean, I, I bet a lot of our listeners, they would be the foundation for our Petri stream. Actually, you know what? I think our listeners, I think they're good, fine people out there. Yeah. I think instead, Stacy's stream would be largely perverts. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Not to say there wouldn't be some overlap, but I, I think yeah. by and large, there would not be that much overlap. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, anyway, <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's, uh, so guys, this was the prologue <laughs> to our episode. Welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. This episode, we're going to wrap up our long saga. Not unlike trying to watch Philadelphia. It's been a long road. <laughs> right, just kidding. I like that movie. Yeah. Um, not unlike watching the new HBO series, It's a Sin. This has been a long road. Mm. But here we are at part four, and we're looking at our most optimistic chapter yet. We're looking at the future and at potential even cures to HIV AIDS. Right. So, you know, I think that's a really good wrap up, Nathan. Good job. Yeah, dude. Good job, boy. But yeah. basically, <laughs> boy. Yeah, good job, boy. Uh, in in the episodes <laughs> prior, the bone. in the episodes prior, we you know we set up sort of the history of HIV/AIDS. We talked about how HIV/AIDS can you know how does it infect right. cells, what sorts of cells the does it target, pathology and psychology, if you will. <laughs> and then last episode, we talked about the current treatment methods, of which you know there are several strategies, and we've actually gotten pretty good at treating AIDS. To the point where, realistically, there's many people that are HIV positive, but are seronegative and do not have AIDS. Right. Because they've been on therapies like ART. So there's a lot of people surviving with HIV. Right. But it's never good enough. I want to cure it. I want a vaccine for it. Yeah. Scientists, we're forward-thinking people. So yeah. we are we are thinking about the next steps. What, what are we still working on? And so that's what this episode is about. So let's do this thing. So let's start with the cure, quote unquote cure, that is in a weird way, simultaneously the most sexy and least sexy. Sure. Okay. So in 2007 and 2008, there was a man who was HIV positive and he developed leukemia. Yeah. Okay. To treat his leukemia, which is a blood cancer, 
Doctors performed a procedure to basically wipe out his immune system and to give him a new immune system. Okay, well, how do we do that? What do we use for that? Right, so basically what we do is we can use some radiation and chemo to destroy the blood cells and then also specifically right. the bone marrow stem cells. Ah, okay. And, I know me some bone marrow. And then, yes, bone marrow is delicious. Yeah, yeah. But also can be used to help treat people. Ooh! I never knew my good old boy had bone marrow. <laughs> you know, you were gonna bring over the bone marrow. And I wasn't gonna bring over Roche and bone. Is this a thing? Do Louisianans eat a lot of bone marrow? Is that... <laughs> me, me and my eventually put that bone marrow up in my gumbo. Is this an actual stereotype? Because I'm not. The only time I've ever had bone marrow was like at like a French restaurant. It nothing to do with Louisiana. Ain't nothing about no stereotype. This is just the type. <laughs> Whenever I need to make something taste real good, I put in that for bone marrow. I want to do Oh, cocoa bean. That's a good cocoa bean. So this is uh, this is a lot more about you having kind of a, a limited bench in terms of accents. Is that, what, <laughs> is that what's going on? Here? What do you mean an accent? You're usually hearing my my accent. This is not what I do. What about I? With my Evangeline. Yeah, you're losing it a little bit, but yeah, that's good. Oh boy. All right. That wasn't. <laughs> so okay so we're talking you, about that bone marrow yes yeah you wipe out the immune cells you get rid of the bone marrow stem cells yeah. and then you give the patient a bone marrow stem cell transplant sean do you also want to learn how to speak like the bayou you just <laughs> repeat after me okay bo bo oh because the ne is silent in french bo bo Bone marrow. Bone marrow. Bone marrow. I'm moving my little You know, I was gonna end words with a little clip at the video. Bone marrow. We're gonna we're gonna have a listener in Mongolia before we have one in Louisiana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you gotta hear my Mongolian accent, Sean. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so basically. What they had to do for this patient was they had to find a donor that was a match. Right. That's easy, right? There's 7 billion people. There's going to be all sorts of people I could eat my bone marrow. Well, in the numbers game, 7 billion people would be a good number, but that is not the number not of really bone marrow donors that you have. Right. You can't actually source everything from everybody. Uh, so. Right. And, and unlike blood donors... Which already, not everyone's a blood donor, so yeah. we have some limitations there. Bone marrow is a much harder thing to give, so there are way fewer bone marrow donors. How do you even get a bone marrow out of somebody? There's actually, there's two different things that you can do. One of them is to actually, like, literally get the bone marrow out of them. In which case, you need to use, like, a big fucking needle and you need to, like, crack into their bone and extract bone marrow. That sounds like a bummer. Not fun, right. okay? You gotta and be, then, like, a really... Like a big Samaritan or a big pervert, right? But there is something you can do to be able to get the stem cells more specifically. Okay. And so you need to treat the person with certain drugs that makes the stem cells basically pick up and leave the bone marrow and enter the bloodstream yeah. in greater numbers. And then you just need to collect that person's blood, okay? How do you convince someone to be a bone marrow donor? Like, I mean, I mean, are they like, do they like go and say I'm going to be bone marrow donor and then we match people up? Or is it more like you look at, you figure out what kind of bone marrow a person needs and they just like, you, you hit the phone banks. You're like, hey, Billy, you match. Would you do this crazy ass gnarly shit? Uh, that's a good question. I think you can go just like donate bone marrow like today. 
Okay, you, you could so, just like go somewhere and be so like. So I could hypothetically be like, I want you to stab me in the back of my bone, and you, I want you to suck my marrow out. Yeah. That's hardcore, dude. How many people do that? Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> We're going to talk about the numbers by the end of the segment, but not enough is right. Right. And the reason why you want a matched donor. So it's not enough to find someone that's willing to give you their bone marrow. Right. You need to find someone that is matched in certain proteins that are on cell surfaces so that you don't get two potential illnesses, basically, from the engraftment. One is graft versus host disease, and the mm. other is host versus graft disease. Wow. Host versus graft is also called just like transplant rejection. Right. It's when the body's immune system basically fights off some kind sure. of transplant. But sometimes the graft fights back. Right. Well, so especially in cases where you're giving someone a new immune system from somebody else, basically. Right. What can happen is you grow a new immune system, but that new immune system... Doesn't like you. Doesn't like anything else in your body. Right. And it thinks everything in your body is foreign. Wow. Right. So that's not great. Right. That's you called just, graft versus host. You just host. die? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't have to die. There are other things that they can do. They can wipe out the immune system again. Right. Bummer. But you can get very, very sick very quickly. Of course. Right? So you do need to find these matches. What they did this time was they actually found a match that not only was a good donor for bone marrow, but also had an interesting mutation. The donor was a mutant. Ooh, nice. For a gene called CCR5. Yeah. CCR5 is a protein that we've talked about several times now over these HIV aid episodes. It's one of the receptors that helps the HIV attach onto cells so that it can get into the cell. Okay. So this person was a mutant for CCR5, a homozygous mutant, which means that both copies, his copy from his mom and his copy from his dad, were both broken. Okay. So that this person did not make any CCR5. That's a cool X-Men name, right? Homozygote. Yeah, I guess. Well, and what's cool is, like, he's, like, both the most boring X-Men and, like, quietly the most important, right? <laughs> like, people put him down in arguments, you know, whenever they're trying to order pizza. And they'd be like, he'd say, I want pineapple. And they're like, shut up, dude. Like, I'm Cyclops, man. Like, you're just some punk-ass homozygote bitch. And he's like, I have saved 30 million people. He's like, Cyclops, how many people have you saved? Like, really, really, come on now. Really, Cyclops, tell me, tell me. How, how, count count for me how many people he said. He's like, 237? He's like, I've saved 30 million people. So just to be clear, <laughs> this person's mutant powers is just that they have this gene broken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were just saying, like, you were making up a new X-Man. Yeah. Whose name was homozygous, and you didn't tell me what their power was. No, I was, this I was is like their waiting power. for it to drop. No, okay. this is their power. Well, this is a good power. So, okay, <laughs> yeah, I like is, your idea. Is, I is. like your idea now. I wasn't on board and until And he gets all this shit from X Men with like flashy powers that right. save like one person at a time and like yeah. cause a lot of property damage. Yeah, they do. <laughs> all right. Okay, Cyclops, he can't even fucking look at shit. <laughs> yeah. He can't even look at shit without burning it down. <laughs> he burns it. <laughs> 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 right. Homozygot saves lives. Exactly. Dude. Okay, anyway. So, this donor. They were homozygous recessive for this mutation that basically breaks CCR5. Yeah. And they gave their bone marrow to this patient. And a whole new immune system was built in this person. Cool. And that new immune system did not have CCR5 on it. Right. And that was sufficient for that person to basically be able to stop taking their ART medication. That's cool. And after stopping their ART medication... The HIV levels in their blood never went back up again. Whoa. So it just stayed down. Hey, here's a hypothetical. Yeah. I mean, not not to crush that button, because that's really cool. But um, just as a hypothetical, if, like, 
if there's 7 billion people, do you think like every disease is like quote unquote cured like genetically within someone out there? If there's 7 billion chances for mutation, is there like like one person who just like can't get bubonic plague anymore or something? I don't know. Like, oh, yeah. That's cool. Uh, so I, I don't know about for everything out there because right. there are some mutations that are deleterious and stuff like that. That, right. that will like actually kill you or make your life worse. Yeah. And hell, mutations can cause an illness. So like, Right, you know. right. But I think one of the theories for why certain runs of the plague killed like a bunch of people but not every single person right. is because some people were essentially sure. immune to the it's plague because of genetic variants basically right that's cool because a lot of those people had never been exposed before so it wasn't prior immunity or anything right right, right. and then also there's things like sickle cell anemia right. right people who are heterozygous for that sickle cell gene are more resistant to malaria right so yeah i do think there's kind of that situation going crazy on. we are x-men yeah. That's cool. Yeah, girl. Okay, well, anyway. Um, anyway, so so this person, they call this person the second Berlin patient. Right. Because he was treated in Berlin with right. this bone marrow. But many people are treated in Berlin, so there was already a first one. Yeah, there was a first Berlin patient that did not get a bone marrow transplant. This person got a completely different treatment. Yeah. And then, like, weirdly has never... Like, his HIV basically went away. His virus levels have never gone back up That's again. That's cool. But that treatment has never been reproduced anywhere else. Right. So they think that he was himself a certain kind of mutant. Right. And he was, like, already kind of resistant to the HIV. It's very exciting to have an episode where you just call a lot of people mutants. Yeah. Well, you know? it's, it's happening. Yeah, the future is now, bro. So in any case, for a while, the second Berlin patient was kind of the only one that had actually been you might say cured by this as in they keep checking over time and every time they check on them hiv levels are still down this is where we get to the famous brexit patient right? <laughs> well so last year it was announced that there has been a second patient that has effectively been cured using the same kind of bone marrow stem cell treatment and that one's called the london patient because they were treated in london very cool now 2007 8 is when we figured out the berlin patient 2020 was when the London patient was announced. Right. right, and in those intervening 13 years, we cured 30 million cases of <laughs> HIV-AIDS through bone marrow transplants. <laughs> so the fact that we haven't, right, is exactly that there's a lot of reasons why this doesn't work perfectly. This does not scale well. It's like very tailored treatment, uh, very invasive to get the bone marrow you need. Yes, so th there's all of those things. Right. And then on top of that, even in situations where they have successfully found a bone marrow donor... That donor has the same mutation in this gene because this mutation is actually not ridiculously uncommon. Okay. They have the same mutation. They've done the bone marrow transplant, but still the HIV levels go up. Oh, interesting. Okay? All right. So in other words, this thing is not something that works 100% of the time. Right. And it's definitely not something that's safe enough and works consistently enough that we can do it to people who don't fucking have leukemia or some other shit we're trying to cure with this transplant, right? right? The whole point of this transplant was to treat the person's leukemia, not to try to cure the HIV. Right. Many, many, many of those 30 million people that are HIV positive do not have leukemia. So there's no good justification for doing this kind of procedure on them. All right, well, let's take a break. And then after that, we'll go into some of the emerging fields and actually uh, preventing or curing HIV. Yeah. Florida is in its newest state of emergency as old men have group orgies across the state. 
The trouble began two months ago when one Hector Espinoza was emailed the original 2002 Lemon Party meme by his second cousin, twice removed. This was the first time an elderly person had seen the 20-year-old meme, and it proved fatal. 4,000 are already dead from lemon parties across the state, even threatening Governor DeSantis's re-election. The epidemic has grown so dramatically that the Republican administration is even considering closing public pools and gas station urinals. Plans to introduce feral silverback gorillas to hunt packs of lemon partiers are already underway, though some ecologists fear that the silverbacks will enjoy the climate and move permanently to the villages. Progressives in Congress demand federal action, but Lemon Party preventative legislation has been stalled in the Senate, due to opposition from Senator Joe Manchin, himself an avid Lemon Partier, and Senator Kirsten Sinema, who likes to watch. Okay, so Bomero turned out to be a bit of a bust. Poor little me in a bag. Oh, we can't afford no Bomero. <laughs> Except for our soup. <laughs> Except for our cocktail. <laughs> Cocovin. <laughs> That's right. I make Cocovin with bone marrow. <laughs> Buffalo bone marrow. Twist. But, um. Great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll edit what some of that. What the fuck is happening? Like, let's get the first part. I just don't understand good. where those Louisiana things coming from. <laughs> what do you mean? From my heart. I mean, like, even. <laughs> If even like we had eaten like Popeyes or something for dinner, and, like <laughs> like we even like getting close to me understanding why this is happening. Domino's is from Wichita, Kansas. Let's talk about vaccines. <laughs> okay. <laughs> An HIV vaccine would obviously be huge news, and it's been something that we've been shooting for for decades now. Right, but okay. has always failed. <laughs> well, uh, it has consistently failed over that time period. Yeah. Just a month ago, one of those vaccines basically did fail a big clinical trial that it was doing. It had twenty five percent efficacy. Okay, if you contrast that to like the COVID vaccine efficacies that we were seeing, right, right? not good enough. Twenty five percent is not good enough. Uh, who made the vaccine? Uh, Johnson and Johnson. Uh, typical. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be mean to them. <laughs> Double DJ, man, they can't handle it. They can't handle the um, heat. But it, it was done in partnership with other right. companies and like, and also this was a four dose regimen. Okay, oh, like cool. they were really trying to blast you with more than one kind of vaccine. Right. Okay. As in, you know how right now with COVID, there's some speculation like, oh, what happens if I mix the Johnson & Johnson single shot with like a booster of Moderna or something right. like that? That's what they did in this trial right. for HIV AIDS. It was several different vaccines that they basically did. One dose of vaccine A yeah. and then one dose of vaccine B and then you repeat that months later. Right. But HIV's outer shell is just too, too wily, right? It mutates too fast. That might contribute to part of the problem. But mm. in, in any case, you know, these were experimental vaccines still. They were things like an inactivated cold virus that was carrying synthetic versions of HIV genes along with synthetic proteins of HIV. Right. All of these were trying to get around the fact that HIV does mutate really well. Right. right? Basically, the synthetic part is they were trying to make sort of like a, a mosaic right. of strains of HIV from all around the world. To try to, like, really catch whichever one might try to hit your body. Yeah. Well, I mean, here, I have a list of things, and I want you to tell me if any of them have done well in trials. Okay. Okay, so, uh, ivermectin. <laughs> no. Okay, uh, hydrochloroquine. Nope. Okay, uh, Regeneron. Nah, not that hot. Man, wait, that's good for HIV AIDS? <laughs> oh, no. You're talking about HIV AIDS? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Well, no. <laughs> oh. Oh, although there is something kind of similar to Regeneron that we'll get to a little bit later. Ooh, okay. Um, But 
basically, well, none of those things are vaccines anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you put them in a shot and give them to young children, they're basically vaccines. Right? <laughs> anyway. I mean, a vaccine's really just what you call it, right? So, so technically, this vaccine that failed from Johnson & Johnson is actually in two different trials. Okay. One of them was in Africa. One of them's in the United States. Cool. The African one was the one that they have discontinued. They basically stopped the trial because they looked at it part of the way through and they're like, oh, this shit only has like 25% efficacy. It's, yeah. We can't morally continue this trial. All right. So they stopped the trial. The US and like Europe trial is still going. They haven't done their check yet. So we'll see if there's any kind of reason why that one would be more successful. But... I can't really think of a good reason why. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool that because of more reasons they stopped something in Africa before Europe. It's like kind <laughs> of an interesting switcheroo, <laughs> right? Huh? That is kind of nice. So this isn't the only failure recently. In 2020, so last year, there was another trial that failed, and it used a deactivated virus, and it had HIV genes in it, and they boosted it with proteins and an adjuvant, kind of a similar, somewhat experimental setup. And that one also didn't work out. Interesting. But I think the big news in this fear from really recently is that Moderna, which is the company right. that made the sexiest COVID mRNA nanoparticle vaccine. Totally. They have gotten approval to start a phase one clinical trial for an HIV vaccine that uses the same mRNA technology. Well, that's awesome. And they got this approval in August. So, you know, they're going to start rolling that out and recruiting people for it. It's going to take a little while, but, you know, hopefully within a couple of years or something, maybe a year or so they'll have some results that they can report back. And hopefully it'll work out well, you know? Mm-hmm. Because the COVID vaccines work really well, there's a lot of hope that some of this technology will kind of carry over to HIV as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm a little hopeful. HIV and COVID are different things. So right. it, it might not work out, but there's reason to be hopeful about it. Okay, well, cool. Okay, well, tell me about just pumping people with antibodies. Right. So Why this, can't we just do that? This is the Regeneron callback. Right, right? Because right. Regeneron is a monoclonal antibody mix. Right. It's actually just taken straight from fetuses and Donald Trump's own body, which is why <laughs> you know it has a seal of approval. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes. Trumperon, right? <laughs> I mean, like, I've been selling that for a thousand bucks a milligram, and I'm just making fat, fat money cake. And if nothing else, that's successful. <laughs> yes. That's a high efficacy rate to get me rich off a of scum. Yes, yes. In our yeah. capitalist society, that is the measure of success. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so how is it like Trumperon? Antibodies are a natural part of our immune system. Right. And they That's bind right. Up, That's right, guys. Organic. They bind up all kinds of shit. Mm. So why wouldn't they work for HIV? Yeah, why can't you just get it right in there? So antibodies bind to specific parts of proteins. And while HIV does have protein sticking out of right. its surface. This is back to the mutation problem. It mutates like a motherfucker. Right. And it can definitely avoid a lot of antibodies that way. But when they do studies of the blood of people that are HIV positive, they find that there are antibodies in those people. And those antibodies, some of them, are what are called broadly specific. Okay. Which is an interesting mixture of two words that don't normally go together. Not English majors. <laughs> some are, I guess. Hold some on. are minors. Let me think about this for a second. I might be wrong. It's not broadly specific. <laughs> okay, it's not. <laughs> no. It's oddly specific. <laughs> it's uh, broadly neutralizing. Broadly ah, neutralizing there antibodies. We go. So the way that broadly neutralizing antibodies work is that, for whatever reason, based off their structure... They're able to bind to parts of the HIV proteins that the HIV really can't change. So, like, HIV can mutate a lot of things, right? But it's under some selective pressures. Right. It can't make its proteins look like anything out there. Right. Because the proteins still need to do a job. They need to bind to some shit. They need to help the HIV get inside of a cell. Right. So, it has some limitations to how much it can change. 
And these antibodies target those spots that if HIV changes that part of the protein, the HIV won't work anymore anyway. Hmm. Right? So HIV is basically limited and these antibodies hit that spot. Okay. And we found them in people that are HIV positive. The main issue in those people is that their antibody levels came up too late. Hmm. They were already infected, right? And the HIV had already kind of gotten to levels where even if you were making some antibodies, it wasn't good enough to be able to stop them fully. All right. But it might be possible to kind of take the design of these antibodies, make a lot of them, and then give them to people early, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe early enough to completely stop HIV, right? So that would be the goal is to try to make an antibody treatment based off of these broadly neutralizing antibodies that you can give to people like a PEP treatment, a post-exposure prophylaxis. Mm. Something that can hit HIV early, block up the HIV so it can't get inside cells at all, and then basically be used as a treatment that way. Okay, cool. And, you know, antibodies, there's some other kinds of cool things that they're doing with them. You can make this stuff called antibody drug conjugates, or ADCs, which are basically the antibody, and then at the feet of the antibody, you attach a drug onto it. So the antibody kind of, like, carries a drug along with it. That's cool. That gets used a lot in, or that idea gets used in cancer treatments, Mm -hmm. but they're starting to develop them for HIV as well. So you can use, like, you can attach an antiviral drug onto the antibody. That's cool. Okay, so we have a future. We're just going to pop these guys just uh, two a day, take the pill. Well, I mean, one of the problems with antibodies, though, is that they can't be taken orally. Oh, okay. okay. So you need to get some kind of shot. What they're they're working on is, so the half-life of antibodies is kind of long. They last in your body a while. So they're thinking maybe it would be like a monthly shot in your arm. Well, if I've learned anything, that means 30% of people will never take it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just doomed. But okay, okay, well, that's cool, though. All right. So is that pretty promising, do you feel like? Do you think this is a good one? Yeah, I think that that one has reasonably good odds of working. It's just that, again, kind of part of the issue there is when do you use it? And how long is it going to be useful for? Right. Right. Because if our goal is to be able to get people off of art. Right. Getting a shot a month is suddenly becomes a little less sexy. Right. It's still like kind of a continuing of your treatment. Right. It's like, oh, so I have to get a monthly shot for the rest of my life. Like, Will this ever stop? Right. And so in that sense, it's not something that would stop like that. Yeah. And Joe Manchin's making sure we can't negotiate for drug prices. So that's just going to balloon the budget of Medicare. (laughs) Great. You know, you're trying to make me mad right now. Why are we doing this? (laughs) Don't bring up things I don't like. Of course, at least he has a at least he has numbers. I mean, Kirsten (laughs) Cinema. Yes. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm from Arizona. All right, let's take a break and when we go back, let's get on to the final one. Yeah, one of the more, I would say, the most futuristic y, right? Okay, but still very, very interesting and maybe potentially an actual cure. So right. we'll have to get into that right after the break. Very cool. The following is an actual advertisement. Hello, Twisted Humans. This is the podcast where two best friends chat true crime and have a glass or two of wine. I'm Alicia. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Twisted and Uncorked. So join us every week for Casual Tuesdays where we release a new episode. We are now available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Rate, review, and subscribe. Cheers. Cheers.
Okay, guys, so let's talk about the craziest, most sci-fi thing out there. Just to set the scene, imagine a future where you have HIV AIDS, you can take some of your bone marrow, grow a whole new person, okay, a clone, and at 12, before they have real feelings, <laughs> you could take the bone marrow and not worry about what happens to them. That future is now <laughs> on Apple TV. <laughs> wow, that's great. All right. So Apple the... TV, home of fresh new sci-fi. So, so cloning, uh, go listen to our cloning episode if you want to hear more ideas on how Nathan and I don't actually like that. Yeah. Um, but that, that, was not, that was not the uh, treatment slash cure I was talking about. What yeah. I was talking about was actually something else that we have episodes about. CRISPR. Mm, yes. Okay. So CRISPR you should listen to the episode. But in case you didn't and yeah. you don't know what we're talking about. Quick refresh. CRISPR is a powerful tomb for performing gene editing. Okay. And so. Did you mean tool or do you actually mean tomb? Did I say tomb? Yeah. <laughs> CRISPR is a powerful tool for performing gene editing. Okay. And we use it very, very frequently in the lab. Right. There are some really early clinical trials where we're trying to use that in like really specific ways regarding people. Right. But it is gene editing. So that is kind of scary for some folks. Right. So, you know, it's still like kind of early days. Yeah, but some people are afraid of 5G, right? I mean, people are afraid <laughs> of a lot of shit, right? Why can't I just tomorrow go into my cells and be like, okay, get this HIV shit out of here? I mean, there are some people, the biohackers do that kind of thing, right? Yeah, but they, they, they don't do it well. <laughs> no, they don't do it well. Um, anyway. Don't they just, like, die? <laughs> Sometimes they're okay. Yeah. Usually they just die from incidental lifestyle habits, like motorcycling. <laughs> but, <laughs> but basically, the way that CRISPR works... Correlated, it, not causative. <laughs> ...is you give CRISPR small sets of instructions on where to cut DNA. Right. And then you need to make sure it gets into cells. But right. then once it's in cells... It cuts the shit out of that DNA. Right. And so if you're trying to destroy a gene, CRISPR does a pretty good job of it. Right. And so people are actually trying to use CRISPR to treat or potentially cure HIV in a couple of different ways. Okay. One of the ways is to try to use CRISPR to chop up the CCR5 gene. Right. This goes all the way back to the bone marrow discussion that we were talking about, right? Yes. After all, if the Berlin and London patients were effectively cured because they got these bone marrow stem cell transplants from donors that have this mutant CCR5 gene, right. can't we just use CRISPR to kind of like make it this? Up. Yeah. Yeah. And couldn't we do that in like a bunch of donors? Out of all of the not that many donors we have for bone marrow, right. couldn't we CRISPR the shit out of those and then give them to people with HIV? So why not? Well. This all feels like it's leaked because this all makes too much sense. Anything that makes too much sense in science is wrong. <laughs> like when you drop an apple, gravity goes down. Wrong! Wrong, idiot! <laughs> right? So why is this? This sounds so simple. Right. So I personally think that this is a great idea. Yeah. A Chinese team tried this out in a clinical trial. Ah, and then here we are, COVID months later. No, just kidding. And so the, <laughs> the Wuhan Institute of CRISPR. Jesus Christ. Uh, so the main issue is that the CRISPR efficiency was too low to really be effective right now. Yeah. So after they basically put the CRISPR onto the bone marrow stem cells and tried to break the CCR5 gene, once they put that into the patient mm. and then they looked a while later at their immune system, they basically looked at the T cells. Because the T cells are the ones that HIV likes to infect. And the T cells are the ones that you need to have the CCR5 broken on. Right. So they were looking at the T cells and what they found is, oh, a lot of these still have CCR5. 
And in fact, only 3% of the cells had the broken CCR5 that they were hoping for. So that's probably not enough to be effective. Like right. if HIV came back, it could still infect 97% of the cells and too kill many. those cells right. and then therefore use them as little virus factories and their levels would get too high. Right. So that wouldn't be effective. That doesn't totally sink this idea, but it does mean that it needs more refinement. You need to get that efficiency way higher. Right. right? It doesn't necessarily need to be 100%, mm-hmm. but it does need to be probably a majority of the cells because if HIV has too many opportunities to mutate, it can mutate into strains that don't really need CCR5. Okay, well, fucking, you think this idea is so good, defend it, Sean. Well, how do we take this idea to the next step and make it work? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I would say that there's probably two separate issues here. One of them is probably their efficiency in actually transducing the cells, right. getting the CRISPR and the instructions into the correct cells. Yeah. Um, sometimes stem cells are kind of hard to get stuff into. So I think they probably need to refine that, right. that step, get the CRISPR in. Cause once CRISPR is in the cells, it's usually not that bad for it to be able to make some kind of cut to a gene. All right. Especially if you have a single one, maybe use a couple guide RNAs. Okay. Are you ready for Shark Tank, dude? You're on Shark Tank. I'm sick of the nerd shit. Get out of the library. I'm onto the pitch. <laughs> Right, home run right now. How do I make money? <laughs> I don't give a fuck about your science shit. How do I make money off this? <laughs> the U.S. healthcare system is kind of a captive market. <laughs> you can exploit them for a shitload of money. I'm giving this three sharks. <laughs> I've never is, is seen sharks. That, yeah, I, was, I, was say, I don't actually know how that works. <laughs> You're getting three out of three sharks. <laughs> You're a hammerhead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to give this one a great white. Yeah, yeah. You can track magnetic fields. <laughs> okay. So. And then goes shark tank. <laughs> hammerhead. <laughs> a, big, a big sound effect and then a hammerhead gets in on your face. Great. Hammerhead. So that's one option. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, there is a completely different use for CRISPR that's yes. possible here. Yes. Okay. The other approach is to chop up the HIV DNA that got shoved into the genome of infected patients. That's sexy. So if you guys remember, one of the things that we talked about is HIV is really hard to treat because even if you get rid of all of the HIV that's in your blood, by the time you're infected, HIV is in your cells in the actual DNA. It's right. integrated its DNA into your DNA. Yeah. And that's really hard to get out. Right, sure. Right? So, one option is to use CRISPR and target the CRISPR specifically to the HIV genome and chop up its genome. Yeah. Basically break it so that it's no longer in our genome anymore. Our DNA is now rid of the HIV. Okay, that's cool. After all, art is pretty good at stopping the virus from replicating a lot. Right? Like, we can use art already to get the virus levels low. Okay. So basically zero in the blood. But it can't get rid of it in the DNA. So use art first, then use the CRISPR to chop up any HIV hiding in the DNA. And then you should be able to stop both. Okay. Well, is anyone doing this? Yeah. So pretty recently, the FDA approved a new clinical trial from a company called Excision Bio. Mm. And they use... Excise me, daddy. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a good tag. <laughs> it's a weird ad, though. Excise me, daddy. Like, the forefront of medical treatments with crispers. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Excise me, <laughs> dad. That's, a, I think, a different demographic than a lot of people thought you would be going for, yeah. but whatever. Me. Um, <laughs> it's not my ad. So, uh, it uses a virus called an adeno-associated virus, or AAV, mm. to deliver CRISPR to your cells. Man, we've been hearing a lot of adeno shit recently, huh? Yeah, when were you hearing Adeno? I mean, oh, all oh, of our oh, COVID oh, conversations. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Adenoviruses are used for the COVID vaccines for some... Are you not paying attention to my notes, Sean? <laughs> Do you not remember what we were talking about? Uh, it's just... It, Adeno-associated <laughs> virus is actually a different kind of virus than adenovirus. So, excision bio. Yes. They use this AAV to deliver the CRISPR to your cells. Mm. The CRISPR is targeted to the HIV DNA, should chop it up, and basically cut it out from the DNA of infected cells. It worked awesomely in mice... And it worked in non-human primates. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see if it pans out in humans. Okay. And, I mean, if it does, then, like, we're looking at a cure. I mean, potentially. Potentially. It it could work out. And, again, just like with the bone marrow thing, how many people does it work in? You know what I mean? Does it work across the board or is it only in certain people? This kind of treatment should be relatively low risk. But gene editing is something that gets a lot of people nervous. So they'll need to show that it doesn't cause any kind of increase in cancer or anything like that. Right. But yeah, it in combination with art could end up being a cure eventually. So what's to stop someone like Jeff Bezos from taking Excision Bio's technology and just switching out the CRISPR part of it a little bit so it just makes everyone bald? <laughs> so it gets uh, the, bald, the bald gene. Uh, not anything that I'm aware of. I mean, I, I assume that... He'd need to hire scientists to do it, and some of them might have reservations. But besides that, like, I mean, I don't know. So we need to ban this technology. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's too dangerous. <laughs> I mean, think about it, Sean. Like, we invented uh, nuclear technology, and we're all dead now. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, because of Fukushima. Same with dynamite. Right. Yeah. We're all dead. Yes. And so it can't be worth doing these technologies if there's any risks in, uh, involved. Well, at the very least, we're dead, but we have hair, which is nice. I I am worried about this Bezos thing you just said. Yeah, yeah. That's going to keep me up at night. It's one of those amazingly brilliant things that, like, you hear it, and you just know it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Bezos! Um, (laughs) Look at us playing his game. But also, I am positive, though, that if he was doing that, it would leak. Because everything that a dude ever does leaks like a motherfucker. He's leaky. Because what's the space program that he's doing? Blue, uh, oh yeah blue, blue, blue pill yeah <laughs> this is my blue pill uh yeah so like uh whatever that um, thing is right yeah i know you're talking about yeah that. there was like the whole like expose thing like about how terrible really? the working conditions are oh, really? and like and how people <laughs> i feel like one of the employees or something like was like i wouldn't go into space riding in one of our rockets or whatever like the it's yeah. like, very dangerous <laughs> anyway okay let's take a break why are we taking a break? Oh, the let's, over. let's take a break till next week. <laughs> yes. Right? And then next week we'll return with kleptoplasty. No. <laughs> no. Don't be so naughty. Like, that's so interesting. <laughs> we already fucking did kleptoplasty. We already did it. We already did kleptoplasty. We already we talked okay. about the sea slugs okay. that could cut their own heads off. Let's talk about beer. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about beer or something. Eh, it's probably uh, too much like wine, right? No, it's probably different. It's probably different. I'm guessing. Let's talk know. about like steak. And like protein denaturing and how it changes the flavors of food. Oh. Let's talk about like the cooking. The Maillard reaction? Yeah. That's Dude, what it's called. 
Yeah, that's a duck shot. <laughs> yes, the mallard reaction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need button that just quack whenever I say something stupid. We quack, should have quack, a soundboard here. Oh though. my god, that's gonna up our game so much. All right, let's say. Okay, guys. <laughs> well, guys, thank you for joining Petri Dish on our four-episode saga through HIV/AIDS. I'm Nathan. This is Sean. <laughs> See you next week. Yes. Okay. Let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer and animator. Thank you, Brian, for art. And you can reach us at petridishpod at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at dishpodcast. And you can give us money at patreon.com slash petridish. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da